You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Welcome to the Useless Information Podcast, my collection of fascinating true stories from the flip side of history. My name is Steve Silverman, and today's story is titled, Tinker the Toad. But before we do that, let's start with today's question of the day. And for today's question of the day, I decided to ask you about coffee. Now, everyone I know seems to be a connoisseur on the subject, but that doesn't necessarily make their favorite brand a top seller. So my question for you is very simple. Which coffee brand is the top selling brand in the United States? And here are your choices. They're in alphabetical order. Is it one, chock full of nuts, two, Folgers, three, Maxwell House, four, Nescafe, or five, Starbucks? Again, the question was, which brand is the top-selling coffee in the United States? And your choices are one chock full of nuts, two Folgers, three Maxwell House, four Nescafe, or five Starbucks. And as always, I'll let you think about this for a while, and I'll let you know the answer at the end of this podcast. And now for today's story on Tinker the Toad. Once upon a time, there was a frog named Tinker who dreamed of becoming a handsome prince. All he needed was that one kiss from a beautiful princess. Now, if only the frog in today's story was to have been so lucky. Instead, this frog was buried in wet cement. So starts the story of Tinker the Toad. Now, the exact date that Tinker was entombed in his concrete prison is unrecorded, but has been estimated to have been at some time during the year 1941. This was when workmen poured the new 6-inch, that's about 15-centimeter thick floor, in a hangar at Tinker Air Force Base, which is just outside of uh, Oklahoma City in Oklahoma. Now, fast forward to Wednesday, June 21st of 1950. That's some nine years later. Here we find a pipe fitter named Eugene Meadows digging through the concrete floor to repair a damaged airline. After breaking through the concrete, he hit solid dirt, and a big surprise awaited him. There he found a very pale amphibian, possibly a frog or a toad. He wasn't sure at the time, but it appeared to have been buried when the floor was first poured. Even more shocking was that the faded amphibian seemed to be alive. In describing this miraculous discovery, he was quoted as saying, there was no air pocket, just solid dirt around him. And naturally, as most people would do, he picked up the toad and took him home to see what would happen. Now you can bet that his four kids were thrilled. Although looking back on my youth, we probably would have tortured any remaining life out of that poor toad. Anyway, back to the story. Uh, Tinker was placed into a tub of damp soil in the basement, and he began his recovery process. And news quickly spread around the world about this uh, incredible discovery. But the real question was whether or not Tinker would make it. 
Uh, but by the next day, there were encouraging signs. That's because the weak toad was reported to have made his first croak. What else would a toad do? The Meadows family took that as a good sign that Tinker was on his road back to good health. On the 24th, just three days after Tinker's supposed return to life, the press reported that it was all one big fraud. Well, maybe fraud is too much of an accusatory term for what is believed to have happened. It wasn't that Eugene Meadows was lying or exaggerating what he felt to be the facts. It was more like he was fooled into thinking that Tinker had been in some sort of, you know, state of suspended animation when he had not. A University of Oklahoma herpetologist named Dr. Arthur Bragg stated that he was quite certain that Tinker could not be that old. In his mind, there was no possible way that any frog or toad in this case could have survived nine years without food or water. Instead, he proposed the following scenario as to what most likely happened. Probably about a month or two before his unearthing, Tinker was lying on the runway at the Air Force Base. The sun was beating down on the surface, and Tinker sought shelter from the heat. He probably slithered into a crack in the concrete and dug his way to the spot where Eugene Meadows ultimately dug him up. But Eugene really didn't care how Tinker got there, and he accepted the researcher's explanation you know, without any question. Uh, and the press reported the Meadows family was still very enthusiastic about their newfound friend. Uh, Eugene was quoted as saying, quote, Tinker's quite a toad. And that's the end of the quote. But sadly, on June 24th, that's just one day after he's exposed as a possible fraud, Tinker went into a permanent state of suspended animation, if you know what I mean. And this time it was one that he would never, ever wake up from. Now, I love the headlines that appeared in some of the newspapers. I like, how about this one? Dead past buried along with Toad. Or this one, Tinker the Toad, dead at nine with a question mark. And my favorite was Tinker Toad Croaks. And it's literally. The Meadows family planned funeral services for their beloved Tinker. And he was ultimately buried under a cedar tree in the front yard of their home. Now, it was never determined with any kind of certainty whether Tinker was a frog or whether Tinker was a toad. In fact, no one even knew if Tinker was a he or if Tinker was a she. Now, surprisingly, I found in my research another case of frogs being unearthed. On October 22, 1933, again, pipe fitters, I don't know what it is about pipe fitters, they were digging below a building's foundation at the General Electric plant in Schenectady, New York, which is actually not too far from where I live. At a depth of approximately 10 feet, what appeared to be five mummified frogs were found to be buried in the clay. The frogs were just tossed aside, and the men continued on with their work. But then, about a half an hour later, they were shocked to see the frogs hopping around in the bright sunshine. Four of the frogs got away, but one was captured. A check of company records showed that the area had once been a swampy piece of land. It was filled in and the building erected in 1899. That means that those frogs had been buried there for 34 years. Now, I'm not a biologist but from what I've read, it appears that some frogs really can go into states of suspended animation for several months at a time, possibly a little bit longer. But the experts do seem to be in agreement that although some frogs can do this, 
their metabolic rate cannot be slowed down enough for them to live to either 9 or 34 years that have been claimed by these pipe fitters. I just can't help but wonder if it has something to do with the long-term exposure you know, to pipe dope that these pipe fitters use. Um, anyway, uh, useless, useful, I'll leave that for you to decide. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And now for a few words from our retro sponsor. So Betty's latest boyfriend is also her French teacher. Well, that shouldn't come as too much of a surprise to the Andersons. So many times a person we think of in one role turns out to play any number of parts. For instance, Mother, that man you serve coffee to at breakfast time, know who he is? Well, sure, he's your husband, but he's somebody else, too. He's the world's greatest coffee expert. Of course, the coffee trade rates us as experts, too. After all, our Maxwell House coffee is America's favorite brand. But the expert with the final say-so, he's that man of yours. And if you'll fill his cup with Maxwell House, we're mighty sure he'll say, Best coffee I ever tasted. In fact, if he doesn't, we'll give you your money back. You see, no coffee tastes like Maxwell House because no coffee's made like Maxwell House. That famous good-to-the-last-drop flavor comes from just one thing, our recipe. A recipe that insists on certain fine coffees blended a very special way. And only Maxwell House has that recipe. So get a pound of Maxwell House tomorrow. Serve it to your husband. If he doesn't say, best coffee ever, why, just send us the can, an unused portion, and we'll gladly refund the price you paid. Our address is right on every familiar blue tin. Tomorrow, see how much your husband, the world's greatest coffee expert, enjoys Maxwell House coffee. Always good to the last drop. That commercial from Maxwell House Coffee is from the December 7th, 1950 broadcast of Father Knows Best. I could have grabbed the commercial from any number of episodes, uh, but since my wife is a French teacher, I chose the episode titled A French Teacher. Now, if you're curious, the coffee was first introduced in 1892 and is named after the Maxwell House Hotel, which was located in Nashville, Tennessee. Sadly, it was destroyed by fire on Christmas night of 1961. Early commercials claim that U.S. President Teddy Roosevelt was the person that first blurted out their famous slogan, you know, good to the last drop. But it was actually written by Clifford Spiller, the former president of General Foods. 
And I can't honestly tell you if it was good to the last drop or not since I've never had a single cup of coffee in my entire life. I love the smell, but I've never cared for the taste. I guess their claim in the commercial that I would state it was the best coffee I've ever tasted would be true because I have nothing to compare it to. But I guess with the same logic, it's also the worst coffee I've ever tasted. And now for a few totally useless yet totally true tidbits from history. It's time for what I like to call News of the Weird Past. And with Valentine's Day coming up tomorrow as I'm recording this, I thought it'd be nice to share a few forgotten stories about this day. Our first story is dated Valentine's Day of 1940, which reported that Superior Judge Dudley S. Valentine of Los Angeles, California, granted a divorce to Marie and Ralph Valentine. Mrs. Valentine claimed that her husband had been drunk on every single payday since the day they were married, plus some other times in between. So Judge Valentine asked, did he ever become intoxicated on Valentine's Day? To which the soon-to-be former Mrs. Valentine replied, I don't remember, but I suppose he did. Since, since Judge Valentine was granting a divorce to the Valentines on Valentine's Day, the court attaches had the divorce decree issued in the form of a Valentine. And no, I didn't make this up. Our next tidbit occurred on Valentine's Day of 1950, and it involved actress Joan Bennett, the star of stage and screen, and gossip columnist Hedda Hopper. Bennett had been the victim of Hopper's attacks in the press for many years and chose Valentine's Day to create a big stink about it. And when I say a big stink, I mean a big stink. Listen to what she did. First, she arranged for full-page advertisements in Variety and The Hollywood Reporter at a cost of $200 each. Both ads were in the shape of a heart, of course, for Valentine's Day. On one side was a reprint of a critical story that Hopper wrote on January 5th about one of Ms. Bennett's closest friends. That was actress Joan Fontaine. Now, on the other side, there was an excerpt from a column written by competing columnist Harry Crocker, which said, quote, Hollywood is smiling tolerantly at the attack in print by a certain female. That's the end of the quote. Above Ms. Bennett's name at the bottom of the page were the words, This couldn't be you, could it, Hedda? Uh, but there was much more to the story than appeared in print. Ms. Bennett also purchased a skunk for $35 at a pet shop and had her chauffeur personally deliver it to Hedda Hopper for Valentine's Day. And that was just to make sure that she got the point of those ads. In Hedda's next column, she confirmed that she did indeed get the skunk as a gift, and she named it Joan. Uh, she was flooded with telephone calls from people wishing to adopt the skunk, but in the end, she gave it away to actor James Mason and his wife. Now, I should tell you, the skunk was dissented. And our last tidbit for today is dated July 17th of 1953, which reported that employees of the U.S. Postal Service in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, encountered one of the oddest pieces of mail they'd ever seen. It was just a piece of slate that measured 6 by 8 inches and about a half an inch thick. That's about 15 by, say, 20 by 1.3 centimeters thick. Now, it wasn't wrapped in any kind of paper, but it did have a piece of string tied around it like it really was a package. They didn't mention any names, but they did deliver it to a woman in another state. 
So you're probably wondering, what does a rock mailed in July have to do with Valentine's Day? Well, other than the address and the stamps, the only other thing on this metamorphosed chunk of Earth's history was a Valentine's Day heart with an arrow pierced through it. Now, the date may have been wrong, but the message was perfectly clear. Which leads us to the answer to today's question of the day. And I had asked which coffee brand is the top-selling brand in the United States. And your choices were one, Chock Full of Nuts, two, Folgers, three, Maxwell House, four, Nescafe, or five, Starbucks. Now, you may think it was Maxwell House because I played that commercial, but it's not. I really don't think the people at General Foods are too happy to know that Maxwell House is no longer America's favorite brand. They are currently at the number two position. So which one was number one? Now, most people in the U.S. may choose Starbucks just because there seems to be a Starbucks uh, on every single corner in this country. But they are actually at number three. The answer is Folgers. Um, But, of course, I don't know how that tastes either. Everybody, shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. Thing done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. I hope you enjoyed today's story on Tinker the Toad, as well as our question of the day regarding coffee, of which, you know, I'm clueless. Uh, Listening to our retro sponsor, Maxwell House, and of course, the news of the weird past Valentine's Day tidbits. They included my favorite, which was the Valentine's getting divorced on Valentine's Day by Judge Valentine. Uh, Hit a hopper skunk of a Valentine, and of course, that chunk of slate Valentine. If you'd like to read more true stories just like these, please be sure to get a copy of one of my books. They are Einstein's Refrigerator and Lindbergh's Artificial Heart. Uh, Both are written by me, Steve Silverman, and they're available from your local bookseller, online, and from your local library. Additional resources, including scans of some of the original research documents, additional comments that I have on this podcast, and related links can be found on my Facebook page. That's www.facebook.com slash useless information podcast. That's just one word, useless information podcast. Now, I haven't posted the stuff yet, but I will shortly. Uh, I was in the emergency room two nights ago because I got a little cut in my hand, just two stitches. Uh, So I can't really type right now, but hopefully in the next couple of days I'll get that up. Uh, Now, if for some reason you'd like to contact me, simply drop me an email at useless at steve.silverman.name or you can visit my website, which is uselessinformation.org. And the Facebook page, as I've mentioned before, contains a link there to contact me. Well, thanks for listening, and I hope you tune in the next time. Bye.